Hello and welcome to I Thought I'd Be Rich By Now. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is the pod where millennial women come to talk about what we're watching, listening to, and reading, aka you listening to me talk to you about what time wasters I've gotten addicted to recently. We also are here to talk about where we are in life, where we're heading, what our goals are. Please connect with me on social media and give me your recommendations of what you're into right now. All of my handles will be in the show notes. I'm going to give you some of my recommended shows, podcasts, books, etc. But first, I wanted to talk to some of the women out there that are around my age. So people that would have been in college in the like 2006, 2008 era. So isn't Facebook's memory function like a total minefield? That's how I feel with it because every time I like just check my app and by the way I really don't have anyone on Facebook anymore. I just use it for a couple different groups to connect with a few people but that's it. But every time I go on it's like the little prompt see what you were doing five years ago, ten years ago and you click on it and it's just like an avalanche of look at how skinny you were. Look at how happy and excited for the future you were. Look at how life was so much simpler back then and your future seems so bright. Look, look, look at yourself. Anyways, that's at least how I feel when I use it. It can be jarring. It can be like a little shocking. At first, you're, you know, you're tired in the morning. You're just going on. You're starting your day and then you just check it for two seconds and you're like, oh my. First of all, it makes you feel old because you're like, oh, I don't feel like that was that long ago. And you look and it says, look at what you were doing seven years ago or whatever. So it can, yeah, it's, it's a little bit shocking when I click on there. And to be honest, sometimes it was depressing. Sometimes it, it was kind of like, first of all, I'm always in perpetual, like, oh, I need to lose some weight. I need to get healthier. And then it's so true how you feel right now, if you feel fat, you will look at yourself in five years and be like, wow, I wish I could be as skinny as I was five years ago. When I look at pictures of how I felt when I thought I was fat, I was like, that's my goal weight now. I'm like, why can't I just go back there? I would, if you could go back, you would be just so proud of yourself and you would feel so good. You'd wear whatever you want. And I know that's, probably how I I should remind myself of that now but it's hard to when you're in the moment so in conclusion I don't check out my Facebook memories until I am mentally prepared to deal with whatever I see no I'm just kidding I actually find it um a lot more fun to look at my memories now on Facebook than I used to I, as I said, I used to kind of find it depressing. You would look back and think, oh, you know, I back then I thought by this time in my life I would be here or I would have accomplished this. And when you haven't, it can feel a little bit sad. But I think because I'm doing this podcast and just other things in my personal life that I'm pursuing for just my own pleasure and happiness and overall well-being you actually do feel a little bit more content with your life. You're like, yeah, I haven't accomplished certain things and I may not be exactly where I thought I'd want to be or that I thought I would be. However, you, 
it can help you just focus on the positive things in your life and how lucky I am in so many other ways instead of constantly looking back and thinking, oh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. I wish I had made this choice. You know, all we have is the present and the future going forward. Like you can't go back. So if you're going to look back, you might as well just enjoy it. Have fun. Look at the old pictures, like the stupid things that you would say on Facebook, which I do and I cringe, but you have to laugh because it's kind of like your modern day diary or journal and just reminding you of who you are and how far you've come. So I watched Bad Trip on Netflix recently. I'm not sure if any of you have watched it or if you heard about it. Um, this is basically a buddy road trip film by comedian Eric Andre. It stars Eric as well as comedian Lil Rel Howery. So I'm sure most of you know Lil Rel from the movie Get Out. He played the TSA agent slash best friend to the star of Get Out, Daniel Kaluuya's character. The big surprise for me in Bad Trip was comedian Tiffany Haddish, actually. I had no idea she was in the movie, so that was actually a cool surprise. Tiffany Haddish, as everyone has knows, has blown up over the last few years, starting with the movie Girls Trip. Remember, that was the one with Jada Pinkett Smith. In Girls Trip, Tiffany was the bonafide breakout star of that movie. So she was like starring along all of these other big actors. And when the movie came out, everybody was talking about Tiffany Haddish. Also, she is a great storyteller. So she was on, I think, Jimmy Kimmel telling a story about her and Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith going out to this like swamp um, swamp tour that she got on Groupon. Anyway, she's a great storyteller. Uh, that video had gone viral, so that also helped propel her to become this huge star. But most importantly, she was the whistleblower in the Who Bit Beyonce drama a couple of years ago. You should definitely research that very important story if you don't know what I'm talking about. I have never watched the Eric Andre show before, but I've seen clips of it online. So for those of you who don't know Eric Andre, who is the star of this movie, Bad Trip, and the creator, he so his show, the Eric Andre show, which he is most famous for, it looks like a late night talk show setup, such as David Letterman or Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, one of those. And he'll interview legitimate celebrities but then for example he ends up naked at some point in the show or a real life bear will walk onto the set or and like one of the ongoing gags I think of his show is that his desk is constantly being destroyed I don't know how to explain it just think of his show as live action surrealism I don't know if that's a thing but that's kind of what I get from his late night talk show Anyways, back to his movie Bad Trip. Bad Trip is similar to Borat where the stars are actors and are playing out a script, but no one else around them knows that. So you're getting the real-time reactions of regular people who have no clue what's going on. So, like, not really a spoiler, but just a little bit. So, for example, when you see a character being dangled from a building, none of the bystanders below know that the person is hanging safely and not about to die or when a character is being robbed in a store. The onlookers, like so the other shoppers, have no idea that this is not a real scenario playing out. 
The premise of Bad Trip is that Eric Andre and Lil Rel play best friends, Chris and Bud. They go on a road trip from Florida to New York so that Chris, who is played by Eric Andre, can pursue a woman from his youth named Maria that he was in love with and bumped into recently, and she's played by Michaela Conlin. So Bud, played by Lil Rel, has a sister named Trina, who is played by Tiffany Haddish, and she's a convict in jail right now. So Chris and Bud need a car, so they take Trina's car without her permission or knowledge. And this is like a ridiculous car. It's, it's Pepto-Bismol colored. It has a personalized bad bitch license plate. So Tiffany Haddish, as I said, is currently sitting in jail. She's not going to find out that they stole her car, right? Spoiler alert. Of course, she finds out. Um, she breaks out of jail, leading to, in my opinion, one of the most memorable scenes of the movie. She's seen crawling out from underneath this prisoner transfer bus where this poor man has, like, he's just a regular guy working on the street, possibly in construction. I don't know what he does. He has no idea that this is not real. So he's watching as, in his mind, a prison, a prison transfer bus is parked at the side of the road and a prisoner is escaping the bus. And you're just seeing his face. He's watching in surprise, horror, as then she like she obviously goes over to him starts asking for help and he is just trying to do everything to get her away from him like he he you know kind of assists her but she's he's just like go 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 and she keeps like walking away so he's he feels good okay she's getting away from me and then she'll turn back and come back and ask something else and he you could just see his like anxiety and stress level like rising you feel so bad for this guy thinking you know imagining this was actually real so naturally tiffany is on the warpath to get her car back from her brother and his friend which leads to all kinds of craziness I agreed to watch this movie even though I wasn't really feeling like watching a comedy. I'm very boring. My permanent mood is murder, mystery, or action, but I went with it. I like the little bit I've seen of and heard of Eric Andre from, you know, other things that I've seen with him online. He's he's a really weird guy. Um, his humor is weird, but that can be a nice change from the standard predictable comedian. I genuinely laughed out loud watching Bad Trip. There are scenes that are hard to watch in a good way. There's cringe, but there's also one scene in a bar that you're like watching and you're scared for his safety for real. It's just a really funny, silly prank movie that you should watch when you need to actually laugh. This movie wasn't too long. It didn't take itself too seriously, but the actors committed themselves to the roles and that's what I was most impressed by. And I, but the person I was most impressed with was Tiffany Haddish. She was so good in this movie. And that's the thing. You can have a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's good because the actors are committed. So that really shows their professionalism. And I, and I was, I actually really like that. A friend of mine pointed that out to me, that kind of skill of some actors, because we were talking about this one movie and her criticism of the movie was that the actor in it didn't commit herself to the role so it's kind of this fantasy movie that you that it was kind of like a child it was for kids and adults and to you have to really commit to believing that these 
characters that are supposed to be in front of your face are not really there and in her in my friend's opinion this actress didn't do that so that's actually something I really look for now when I'm watching a ridiculous movie and I think that's when it's really easy to tell which which movie is going to be good and which one is going to be bad when it's done right it doesn't matter how over the top or ridiculous the movie premise is if you can still salvage a uh, a poorly written movie just by having committed actors but that's not like bad trip i don't think bad trip was poorly written i think it was really fun and yeah if you want something fun to watch this weekend and you haven't watched that i would definitely go with bad trip so a show that i've been watching slowly over the past few years but i decided to get fully caught up on recently is killing eve I think Killing Eve is a 10 out of 10 show. I don't want to hype it up too much and I am a person that is very into TV and movies so I can often be like watch this this was so great it was so amazing and I do feel like that about a lot of shows but if you were a person that doesn't like to watch too many different things and you really just want to go with the cream of the crop the best of the best a hundred percent killing eve is a 10 out of 10 show this is a show from bbc america i believe it is a comedic thriller and it stars sandra O oh and jodie comer the main supporting actors are fiona shaw kim bodnia and owen mcdonald so they have a great lead cast and they have great supporting actors all of the supporting actors are so good Killing Eve's premise is it follows Eve Palastri, played by Sandra Oh. Eve works for the British intelligence agency, MI5. She's not a field agent. She just works in an office, and she seems to be a bit bored with her office job and average life. That's until she has a hunch that an international assassin that MI5 is tracking could actually be a woman because they just all assume that it's a man. This hunch of Eve's changes the course of her career, her relationships, and basically her entire life. As I'm sure most people know, Sandra Oh is of Grey's Anatomy fame. She was catapulted to the small screen stardom in 2005 as Dr. Christina Yang, who remains one of my all-time favorite TV characters. TV characters are so different than characters from a movie. You can definitely feel strongly and admire a movie character, but on TV, you are literally watching this fictional life play out for years. It's specifically a show like Grey's Anatomy that's been on TV forever. And I mean, when I say forever, I mean like, what, 15 years or something like that? So it can feel strange when you watch an actor like Sandra Oh leave a show like Grey's Anatomy to embody a completely new and different character like the one she plays on Killing Eve. But Sandra Oh is a professional. She is talented, she is multifaceted, and above all, she's Canadian. What can't she do? When I think of Sandra Oh, I don't think of Christina Yang anymore. I think of Eve Palastri, and that is a testament to the acting ability of Sandra. That doesn't mean I don't want to see to watch, you know, Dr. Christina Yang again. I 100% do. But she embodies E. Palastri and this show would not be what it is without her. Now to my girl, Jodie Comer. Jodie Comer plays the eccentric and fashionable expert killing machine known as Villanelle. Villanelle is an artiste with her murders. 
None of these boring, quick kills like a mediocre henchman might deliver. Villanelle likes creativity and she earns the respect of Eve, the woman who's hunting her. I first saw Jodie Comer in the BBC One drama Dr. Foster alongside one of my faves, Saran Jones. Those who know know Saran Jones from Coronation Street back in the day, Scott and Bailey, and most recently Gentleman Jack, which I haven't yet watched Gentleman Jack, but everyone says it's it's really good. So I will be watching that at some point. I'll jump back to Saran on another episode. She is a powerhouse actor and deserves her own segment. I'm not sure if Dr. Foster is still on Netflix, but you should binge that first and then watch in Killing Eve. There's no rhyme or reason I'm saying that, but I just watched it first and I am happy that I watched in that order. So you should too. Jodie Comer has range. This young woman is so talented. Villanelle is one of the most fun and insane characters on screen anywhere. I think there are a lot of actors that could miss the mark or not quite embody the complexities of Villanelle and just play her pretty one-dimensional. I'm so glad that they were able to find the perfect person for this role. I hate to say it, but the Brits really do produce great actors. You always see these debates come up online and... I just have to give credit where credit is due. The United Kingdom has a really great acting indoctrination program apparently for their youth because they just consistently produce some of the best actors out there. Killing Eve is a beautiful show. Filming locations include England, Italy, France, and Romania. Villanelle is dressed like she just came off of the runway and Eve looks more like the rest of us. Sandra O oh herself is gorgeous and I'm obsessed with her hair, but her normie office aesthetic really highlights the fact that her and Villanelle are from two separate worlds. Even Eve's London home is cute and cozy and is the opposite of everything that she actually wants. I just finished season three and sadly it's been announced that there will only be season four of this perfect show but honestly I'm actually not too mad about that. I would personally rather see a great show like this go out at the top of its game than to limp out in season, like season seven or eight after losing its shine. I'm sure most of you have watched shows like that that should have died long ago but the network you know didn't do the compassionate thing and just kind of put the show out of its misery and that really sucks if you're a huge fan of something that was once really good because it tends to be that people will remember, anytime you talk about the show, they'll remember the negativity with the ending of the show versus all the years and good seasons that it did have. So that always sucks for, you know, the writers and, um, and actors and people in production and the fans because you really have invested so much of your time into a show and a storyline and characters only to just every time it gets brought up everyone's like oh my god the ending sucked or the last season was the worst so I am really happy for um you know everyone involved in Killing Eve that they have an end date and they are still like the show is so excellent to me just keeps getting better and better with each season so I am really looking forward to season four although it will be sad but I'm sure it will be great. Children of Blood and Bone is a fantasy young adult novel that I've been wanting to read for a really long time. 
so long that the second and third installations of these books um, were released in that time. So yes, I am a procrastinator. This is the debut novel for author Tomia Demi. I luckily got this book for Christmas last year and I read it earlier this year. Children of Blood and Bone, it's this epic adventure. It follows this a young woman named Zaley. She's from the kingdom of Orisha and her quest is to bring magic back to the kingdom. The kingdom of Orisha, along with the mythology, imagery, customs, traditions in the story are all inspired by the author's West African background as she's Nigerian-American. The book explores Zaley's struggles with wanting to rebel against her people's oppressors who have outlawed magic while understanding that every action she takes could result in a negative consequence for her family. So it was actually so nice to read a fantasy novel that is inspired by West African culture. I would say the majority of fantasy that we consume, so think of Game of Thrones type shows and books, are inspired by European culture, which is great, and I love Game of Thrones, but it is not unusual in the slightest to see or read something that appears to have been set in 16 or 1700s England. It's really nice change to have black characters and names and settings that are different than the standard type of characters that I usually read about. It's like, yay, we have black fantasy writers and stories to tell that are fun and engaging and sad and thrilling and are just as good as any stories that you were used to reading in this genre. I hope to get to book two and three soon, but I do have a book list a mile long right now, so we'll see. Even if you've never read fantasy, I would suggest this book. It's an epic tale, and I love supporting young and talented female writers such as Tomi Adyemi, although I am ridiculously jealous of her success, I can't lie. At such a young age, like what she's done, ugh, too much. But I'll put my jealousy to the side for now to support her. By the way, she quickly signed a movie deal for the, these books. I think she might have even signed it before the book, the first book came out. So I would grab up her books. Um, they actually have beautiful cover art, but grab them up now before the covers are replaced with those annoying movie covered book covers. Like, don't you hate it when a book has a movie cover? I personally cannot stand that. Maybe it's just me, but it's just so aggravating. I have a copy of The Lovely Bones that had the movie cover. I think I bought it right around the time the movie was coming out. I didn't know anything about it and I couldn't tell that it was the movie um, cover. So I only realized that after, which was at that point was like, whatever. But please stop doing that. Stop putting the, stop making movie covers to publishers out there and stop putting those unpeelable stickers on books that say now a major motion picture. I don't know who told them that that's a selling point. Maybe it is to some people and I don't realize that, but it is the opposite for me. Maybe I'm being snobbish. I don't, I just don't like it. But Children of Blood and Bone, it's really a fun adventure novel and deals with pretty heavy themes. They cover death, abuse, subjugation, oppression. In my opinion, the author could have taken the easy way out and just separated people into groups of these people are good, these people are bad. And that's kind of how at first you feel the book is going to be. But she really explores, or at least begins to explore in the book, how fear of others can lead people down 
path of committing atrocities. And she also shows how even for the good guys, you can start to second guess the journey you're on or actually how it'll impact those around you. So I don't want to give away too much, but I thought it was pretty insightful. Um, not that YA novels aren't insightful, but I just thought when I started reading it, okay, it's going to go one way, just follow a set of rules that these, a lot of, you know, books follow in certain genres, but I was pleasantly surprised. There are two main romantic relationships in this novel. There's so like an A storyline, B storyline. I'm actually more interested in the secondary character romance. So I am super excited to see what happens in the upcoming um, couple of books. Hopefully I will get a chance to read those before the end of the year. I'm super highly doubtful about that, but we'll see. What are you doing for self-care? Don't you feel like everyone's talking about self-care has been for like maybe the last year, year and a half, I think? It did it kind of blow up with the start of COVID? I don't know. That's what I feel like, at least uh, that's when I'd be noticing everywhere talking about self-care. I think for everyone, it's different. If you search online, you'll probably see a lot of women suggesting things like face masks and hair masks skincare, drawing yourself a bath, maybe having a glass of wine, reading a book, but pretty much just finding time for yourself and for the things that bring you comfort and peace that also could be marinating into your couch, ordering a pizza, or maybe you've been having a lot of pizza and cooking a meal at home would be something nice for yourself. I haven't been doing anything per se for self-care recently. I've been trying to do more face masks and hair masks because my sister gave me a lot of face masks and I need to use them. I keep complaining about my skin and then forgetting I actually have skincare products that I need to try out more. Second second of all, I bought a $50 tub of hair mask from my, um, from my salon. (laughs) I am, I'm fairly cheap when it comes to stuff like that, which, you know, I'm trying to be better. That's why I spend the money because I need to get good products for my hair. So that's one of the main motivators to use the hair mask is number one, because I don't want to waste the money. And then number two is because I want to help my hair. So I've been trying to do those every few weeks and it seems to be working. So that's good. Um, But yeah, number one, I just do... uh, I would hate it if a few years from now I forgot that I had that and I had to throw it out. I'd feel sick. So I'm just trying to use up all of my hair mask, face mask stuff. Also, another thing is, I mean, we talk about self-care and it's usually about rest and relaxation. And I do feel like I need that. But I also sit every day for work. So a major thing for me is just being able to get up and get some movement and exercise. And even though it can be challenging and I don't love it. It's I know it's so good for me because you can just feel right after you exercise, no matter how sweaty, how hard it was, how challenging, how much you hated it in the moment. I, my body just feels so much better afterwards. And that's probably like the most radical form of self-care I can do is to do something where I have to actually work harder at. If you tell me, yes, just go sit and relax and watch TV and put on a hair mask and face mask. I mean, part of me is like, I sit all day anyways, even though I still love 
leaving my desk and then immediately going to my couch but that is not something radically different than the everyday so if i go for a walk a hike or do exercise at home like do an exercise video that is more along the lines of the self-care that i actually need right now but anyways let me know what you're doing for self-care I just have a few of these boring ideas. If there's something much better I could be doing, let me know. Hope you guys join me next time. Thank you so much for being here. If you enjoyed, please rate and review. Thank you.